Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Anal Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Starr, and today I wanted to do an analysis of the Kid Cudi sophomore album, Man on the Moon 2. Now, as I did uh, in my previous video with the date, um, today is Wednesday, October 28th of 2020, and the only reason why I'm putting the date in is because um, earlier this week, uh, Kid Cudi announced that he would be releasing... Uh, Man on the Moon 3. So that's a, the name of his upcoming album that'll be coming out here pretty soon. Um, and again, I'm not 100% sure when I'm going to post this episode. So I'm putting the date in there so that you know, you know, this is the day that the episode was recorded versus when the episode is actually posted. So I can just play word of mouth, ear to ear. Whenever Man on the Moon 3 does drop, it doesn't conflict with uh, anything that I'm about to say in this episode because it was uh, recorded previously. Um, so first thing I want to talk about is um, the first song that I heard or that I can really remember like resonating with me from Man on the Moon too. So um, as I mentioned in a previous episode before, um, I started listening to Kid Cudi when I was in about high school. And of course, just like I'm pretty sure everybody else, I was introduced to Kid Cudi via Day and Night. And I remember hearing Day and Night and being like, going, oh, you know, that's cool. You know, it's not like, like something that like wowed me. I didn't really get wowed by Kid Cudi until my brother, who uh, I've actually had on the show a couple of times before, um, got me into uh, Kid Cudi via Day and Night. But then it started to backtrack just a little bit. So I listened to um, a kid named Cudi, for example, and then a lot of just underground stuff, stuff before he became mainstream because Day and Night was really his like mainstream media hit that really put him on the map and made everybody be like, oh, yeah, I know who Kid Cudi is. Um, and then, of course, he plays into the astronomical persona with the man on the moon and and having his entire you know uh artist character kid cuddy is based around the man on the moon you know what i'm saying that's his nickname he takes that and runs with it whenever you think of like outer space intergalactic you know anything that has to do with astrology or astronomy or anything outer space you usually incorporate kid cuddy into that because that's the reputation that he's built for himself. So naturally, you have Man on the Moon, and then you have Man on the Moon 2, uh, and then you have, you know, sub-projects like Satellite Flight, which, by the way, uh, I spent the entire day today prepping for this episode, listening to Man on the Moon 2, as well as Satellite Flight. And I remember in the Kid Cudi versus Kanye West episode, I could have sworn that that album was called Destination Mother Moon, which is actually the name of the first track on the album, which is probably why I got confused. But the full name of the album is Satellite Flight Journey of the Moon Man uh, or Journey to Mother Moon. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's something like that. But I was I was I was close. But I also wasn't close at all. I was extremely off, but at, at the same time, dead on. Um, but I digress. So, um Basically, you can uh, rope in any kind of astronomical theme when it comes to Kid Cudi, even with songs like Embrace the Martian, you know, where he talks about being like from out of this world, being from another planet. And that kind of resonates into his artistry and his character, 
Kid Cudi sees himself as an outcast, as somebody who, you know, doesn't quite fit in with the normal crowd. So he kind of had to create his own world in which he was the main character. He was the star. And in this world, you know, things kind of play and cater to him versus him playing or catering to others. So <clears throat> so when I think about Man on the Moon 2, Man on the Moon 2 is really when my fandom like started to seep in and I really became like a devoted fan of his. Um, the first song that I really remember really just speaking to me directly was Maniac. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Basically, he's um, trapped inside of his own head uh, and he's created this very dark parallel world where everything is just like pitch black and quiet and still, like a void, like a black hole, since we're sticking to the astronomical theme. And he is, is he's going crazy, but at the same time, he's embracing that craziness. He's embracing that psychotic, you know, entity. And whenever I think about the song, I always put myself in this mindset of, you know, myself being the main character of the music video, quote unquote, um, in a very, very dark room, the walls are pitch black painted. There's taped and cardboard and wood over the windows. There's no natural light seeping through. The only real light that you have is probably this dull lamp with like a dull red or dull orange bulb that barely illuminates the room. So it's kind of like a candle lit tent. And she's just like taking um, a Sharpie or a black marker. Because there's a point in the song where he says, I love the dark. Maybe we can make it darker. Give me a marker. Um, so she's just scribbling on the wall, like telling the story of this demonic entity that lives inside of her head. And then when the second verse comes in, uh, you see the story of that entity being told. And he's moving around, venturing out into the world that she's created uh, and eventually, toward the end of the song, he escapes into the reality. So now her demons are living in her reality with her, and she has to learn to um, befriend them or be destroyed by them. So that's just what I think. Whenever I think, whenever I listen to the song, that's what plays through my head. Um, but the actual lyrics to the song um, are a bit more psychotic, First things first, it samples the St. Vincent song. Oh, goodness gracious, I should have had this ready. Um, it's a song by St. Vincent, and I actually found it by accident on my Apple Music. And it, that song is pretty twisted by itself, but it's it's quite nice when you just kind of let it settle in to your system and you kind of just let it do its thing, run itself out. Um the song is called The Strangers, and the artist who performs it is um, St. Vincent on their album Actor. So that intro, that part that you hear in the very beginning, that kind of muffled and quaky, like echoing, like from some other uh, personified being, like not human, but not like demonic either. It's very, it's very eerie. What they're saying is paint the black hole blacker, paint the black hole blacker. And they just repeat that over and over again. And then the original song, that's kind of like the subchorus. So in between a couple of lines in each verse or before the, the song breaks, that, that, that same line is being repeated over and over again. 
Um, so Kid Cudi starts his verse. I am the maniac. I am the ghoul. I'm in the shadows in the corner of my room. It's my new hideaway. This is my tomb. This is my coffin. This is my place for unruliness. No worries. So he's basically embracing the demonic presence that exists within himself by creating an environment or an atmosphere for that spirit or that entity to feel comfortable and relax, potentially let its guard down, but also understand that he as the hostess is not a threat. He as the host is not going to do anything to harm or cause uncomfortability or chaos to the entity living inside of him. And rather than running away from this parasite, this demon that's plagued him, he's choosing to befriend it. Uh, I think, and honestly, I think the second verse of the song is what really like solidified it for me. Because yes, that is beautiful. It's really spooky. And I was into really spooky shit when I was in high school. And that's when I heard it for the first time. Um, the second verse is by Cage, who is featured on the song. He starts off with saying, I am the maniac. I am the fool. I found a monster in me when I lost my cool. It lives inside of me, eating what's in its way. I put black spray paint on my windows during the day. Now, I feel like it's a bit of a cliche, just a bit, because he's trying too hard to address directly the entity that's plagued him versus Kid Cudi has kind of made it very subtle. So the difference between, and keep in mind, I was in high school when I heard this. And it spoke to me on some form of level that I can't really fathom at the moment because I'm not in that mindset anymore. Um, Kid Cudi is very, very good at just giving subtle hints. Yes, I'm well aware that inside of my head, inside of my mind, inside of my body, there is a great monster just waiting, begging, pleading to be released. Maybe I can't do that. But what I can do is learn to live with that, accept it as part of who I am, and continue to live my life as to the best of my abilities. Versus Cage is coming directly out and saying, I found a monster in me when I lost my cool. It lives inside of me eating what's in its way. There's no metaphor. There's no like, like analogies. It's very straight to the point. And that's fine because when I was in high school, my mind was not this analytical. So I didn't really take the time to break things down, especially when it came to music and lyricism, straight to the point, was the way that I wanted it to be. I wanted to be as simplistic as possible. I didn't like complex when I was in high school. I didn't really get into these deep analytics until after I left uh, college. So for the time being, that was perfect. And it made absolute perfect sense to me that this is how this guy is feeling at the moment. I can relate to that, even though I wasn't, you know, fighting off any real demons. I had high school bullshit to deal with, but that's high school bullshit. And literally none of that shit matters now. Um, so that was really the first song that kind of made me go, man, this guy is incredible. It was that, and it was also that um, TGIF, Thank God I'm Fresh which I believe is tech. It was technically underground at the time, but now I feel like it's available for like easy stream downloads for his uh, man on the moon one. Um, and I just love the way that song felt. I love the way that it, 
It made me feel, I like the bop. And again, the lyrics were very simplistic and straightforward. There wasn't really too much of it complex. There wasn't a lot of complexities with it. It was very, very simple. But as we get into Men on the Moon 2, there are a couple of songs that I wanted to pinpoint and single out for the sake of analyzing. And the first one was Reeve of Eve, which I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly because it's it's spelt R-E-V-O-F-E-V, which is abbreviation for Revolution of Evolution. So I just call it Reeve. I really, I really called it Revolve, which that's not even close to what I just spelled. Um, and every time I hear this song, I always think of like the starting page of a video game. And then kind of at the end when it picks up a little bit is when the characters fight like a Mortal Kombat style thing. But the lyrics are very, uh, very much so. Like it's a great way to start off the album, even though it's not track number one. Track number one is actually Scott Miss Cuddy versus The World which is an even better way to start off an album, but that song is very dreary and, 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 and slow versus the one is a bit, this one is a bit more upbeat and fast paced. Um, the howls in this song are my favorite part. It's, it's after the first verse, it's between the first and the second verse, and he's just howling, not like a wolf or a dog, but just like, with anticipation and excitement, like you're revving up for the event that's about to take place, which is probably why I think of the loading screen of a fight game, because that's kind of the mindset that you're in, like you're ready to go and get the game started. Um, so his first verse in Revolve or Reeve of Eve, uh, let's go. Life does get tough. No need to stress. Hold you back too much. Let's go. I heard they found a solution. Where will you be for the revolution? So just going off of the first verse of this song, it's like his way of saying, look, I understand that you're under a lot of pressure. You, you probably got a lot of things on your mind. You probably got a lot of things going on. You probably feel very trapped or stuck in your situation. And that's normal. And that's perfectly fine because you're not the only person who feels like that. But there is a silver lining Steps are being made as we speak to change the current state of you mentally, maybe you physically, and even emotionally. Only thing that needs to happen is you need to be able to step up to the plate and take hold of that change so that you can become part of something greater. When you think of a revolution, you think of, you know, the oppressed, the depressed, the suppressed all coming together to fight against a system that was built to go against the grain or to go against them. And they're going against that grain to rise up and become something better than what they were before. So the song is called Reeve of Eve, if I'm not mistaken, to heighten the idea of revolt. That's where you're, you're leading to. The only way to make a change is to go against what is going against you. So you have a system in place that is designed to keep you in a certain position in your life. You have to go against that in order to overcome it, basically. And um, I mean, the rest of the song kind of still speaks into that ideal. So verse two, wake up, things might get rough, no need to stress, keeps you down too much. Wake up, I heard they found a solution. Where will you be for the revolution? 
No need to stress keeps you down too much. Uh, no need to stress holds you back too much. All of these obstacles are put in place to keep you from propelling forward. So when the revolution comes, what are you going to be doing? Where are you going to be? And are you really going to fight to change your life for the better type shit? So that's what I get out of that. But of course, what I think versus what I get are two completely different things because they don't make sense at all. Like, why would you think about a a video game for a revolting song? But that's not the point. Um, I do want to talk about uh, marijuana for just a hot second. Um, I didn't write it down on my list of songs to target specifically, but like I said, I was listening to the album all day today and I listened to it all the way through influential, no skips. Um, <clears throat> and marijuana just hits and this is no pun intended, <laughs> no pun intended. Marijuana just hits different. The, 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 the spooky, not necessarily spooky. When you think spooky, you think like, Halloween. I'm talking spooky like on a on a on a on a suspenseful level, like kind of like drawing you in because you just want to see what's going to happen. So those spooky suspenseful pianos that are playing right at the beginning, very high pace he comes in, very very casually, very very smoothly, very very like creepily. Um and the the thing that I love about this song is that it's exactly 4 minutes and 20 seconds long. And right at the very end he says 420, right when it cuts off and then it dips right into the next song. Um, but of course, the song is about smoking weed, getting high. Um, pretty green bud, all in my blunt. I need it. We can take off. I'm I'm skipping all the singing parts. <laughs> That's the chorus. But the verse goes, I be on that all day, like my nigga Big Boy said. That's the only thing that keep me leveled up in my crazy head. Stoned on the run run. No fun. If not, it's Scotty from the email read. Man, I swear to keep it 100. If I ain't have it yet, then it'll be dead. So basically, he's not using alcohol. He's not doing a Cheech and Chong, smoking weed, getting high, sleeping in my room type shit. It's not on that level of smoking weed. It's uh, I, I use this recreationally, and now it's become part of my life, my daily routine, you know, it keeps me from spazzing out. It keeps me from having, you know, maybe anxiety attacks or, you know, it keeps me centered. It keeps me in a state of mind where I can get on with my life and, and focus on tasks without having to, you know, stress or panic or worry about what's going on around me, things that I can't control. So he really uses it as a form of recreation, which you know, most people, they just smoke weed just for the sake of smoking weed. But it sounds like for him, this is really keeping him grounded and stable versus, you know, most people use it as just a source of just a good time. You know, we're just here to to smoke, drink, and play around, have fun, whatever, whatever. But for this particular track, I feel like it was intended to help with him mentally, and possibly even emotionally. Um, so let me get back to my list real quick. I got Mojo So Dope, which is a beautiful song that plays right after Marijuana. Um, and I just love the, 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 the pounding beat, that boom, 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 boom. Right as the intro fades and his verse begins to rise, his voice begins to rise and his verse comes in, um... His first verse goes, they let in the skinny jean wearing fro for days in an old AA 
Ball so low, most fools couldn't price me. Silent stunt with a blunt full of P.E. And I guess you know me. Been in NY so long. Got a tri-state family, especially Brooklyn. Shout out to the Mardis. My bloodline runs deep. So just from that right there, he's kind of like, you know, I'm the oddball out at the party. You know, people see me and they're just like, okay, the fuck? He's weird. You know, I'm noticeably that strange guy, but everybody is like super, super cool with me. Everybody is like my homie. Everybody is like my family, my brothers, my cousins. I don't have any real ties, real connections with these people, but everybody knows me and everybody's cool with me. And there's never any issue when I come around. Like, yeah, I may look a little weird. I don't wear the same clothes that everybody got. I'm not driving the same car that everybody's driving. I don't wear my hair the same way everybody wears theirs, but I'm that guy. I'm the cool dude, the weird dude that nobody at the party ever, ever, ever has a problem with. So the name of the song is My Mojo, well, not My Mojo, but Mojo So Dope. And he's basically saying how, yeah, I'm a weirdo, I'm a black sheep, I'm an outcast, but nobody can really say that they hate me. No one can really say that they don't like me or they got a problem with me because I am that guy. You get around me and you feel relaxed chilled out, mellow, comfortable. You don't feel like you're in hostile territory when you're dealing with me. And that's how, that's the level that I want you to be on whenever you come in contact with me. And when you think about Kid Cudi as a person, that's the type of energy that he's giving out. That's the type of vibe that he's on is anyone who comes around him is automatically just like comfortable as hell. Like there's no real issues around Kid Cudi. And it's not just because, you know, he's a big, intimidating, you know, kind of a bully guy, but he's just that cool that he can make somebody else feel cool, even if they don't feel too, you know what I mean? So he's just, he's just that guy. And I want to keep reading into the um, verse just a little bit, just to solidify my point. Uh, My bloodline runs deep, nights I don't sleep, Figured it's my pops keeping me awake. Help me keep my mind out of the clouds of reality. These motherfuckers can't fathom the wizardry. So more brain ass backwards cowards. Take a shower. Your attitude stinks. You want to know what I think? My mojo so dope, bitch. My mojo so dope. So that kind of solidifies my point. Like, yeah, he is. He's that we. He's weird. He says a lot of weird shit. He does a lot of weird shit. And he's always associated with a lot of weird people, but even the norms, the the social butterflies and the alpha males, they don't have anything really bad to say about him. Oh, yeah, he's weird as hell. He talks about astronomy and blah, 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 blah. And even if there is somebody who comes across as like, ugh, what the fuck is you hanging out with him for? He's such a weirdo. It's just like, bro, get the fuck out of here. Go on somewhere with that. We don't need that over here. Fucking up what we got. Everybody over here is good. Everybody over here is comfortable. Everybody over here is relaxed. We all chilling, having a good time. And you going to bring your dirty ass self with this stank ass attitude all up in my face trying to fuck up what I got going on. No, you can leave. You can take that somewhere else. He's just that guy. He is just that guy. And no matter what you do or what you say, you're not going to break that from him. He's not going to not be that guy. He's always going to be that guy. And I think, like I said, if you uh, ever met Kid Cudi in person, I feel like this is exactly how he would be in real life. He, he Eventually, he would hit you with some soft shit. 
uh, you know, some life lessons, some morals, you know, some traumatic experiences that he's probably experienced firsthand that you can learn from or take with you or whatever you got to do. But he's more often than not, or nine times out of 10, he's going to be that guy that you can just chill with, have a good time, no stress, no tensions, no worries. And you ain't going to have nothing but good things to say about him after the conversation is over. That's how, that's what I believe so heartedly with everything, that he is just a genuine person. Because the only thing he ever wants to do is just help people the only way that he really knows how. And that's making music like this. So you can be in a similar predicament and just be like, man, I don't give a fuck about none of that shit. Who cares what so-and-so thinks? I love me and so does everybody else in my circle and that's all that really matters. I'm good regardless, you know what I'm saying? So let's move on to um, Erase Me, which is probably... One of my favorite songs off of this album. And I I have a thing for storytelling in music, which would explain like my taste as far as what I'm crazy about, like what I'm absolutely drawn to and what I'm passionate for. So this song is very much so a story being told, whether you can see it right away or not. The story behind the song, <coughs> excuse me, the story behind the song is... You know, I was in a relationship with this girl and uh, things just didn't work out, man. I just, I don't know what happened. It had to have been something that I did because that's what she's telling me. And 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 for the past couple of months, I've been trying to uh, patch it up, make things better, uh, redeem myself. And she's just not giving me the time of day, man. And I don't, I don't understand what it is. And, and at the same time, she doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. But she's also, like, just stuck with me. Like, she she tells me she sees my name and my face everywhere. And she's always hearing my voice. And she can't escape me no matter what she does. But she doesn't want to let me back in to her life. I've I've probably hurt her too badly or hurt her too much. And and she's just done with me. But regardless of the the how the relationship ended, we just can't seem to leave each other alone. I want to be with her. She doesn't want to be with me, but she can't help seeing my face and hearing my voice and hearing my name being spoken in the wind everywhere she goes. It's driving her a little crazy. Uh, That's just the foundation. And then, of course, Kanye West's verse is the similar story, but in a different direction. His verse is actually pretty straightforward. Um, So let's start with verse one with Kid Cudi. Uh, She said, I don't spend time like I really should. She said she don't know me anymore. I think she hates me deep down. I know she does. She wants to erase me. A couple days, no talk, and I see my baby. And this is what she tells me. Of course. She said, I keep on running, keep on running, and nothing works. I can't get away from you. I keep on ducking, keep on ducking you. Nothing helps. I can't stop missing you. So that pretty much solidifies my point, just in that verse right there. Like, that verse in the chorus. You fucked up. Okay, you're willing to admit that you fucked up. Great. She's willing to admit that she was done with you. Cool. You break up, couple of days go by, you see her out on the street, and she's just like, ugh, 
you again. It's bad enough that I had to duck and dodge you at the corner store and the movie theater and the grocery store and the and the bodega or whatever the fuck, because I'm assuming they're up north somewhere and up north has bodegas and shit. But now I'm seeing you in public and you just won't stop coming around me. Like you're you're everywhere I go and it's just driving me crazy. Uh, dive into the second verse real quick. It's like I'm her new nightmare. She, she ain't escaping. It makes me feel a bit complete. Knowing someone you love don't feel the same way about you. Memories they soon delete. A couple weeks no talking, I see my baby. I miss her so damn much. I wish we could start over, I told my baby. This is what this bitch tells me. <laughs> and then the chorus just repeats. So, again, that, that further solidifies my point. You've tried to move on with your life just like she's tried to move on with hers. But it's like you're in her head you're haunting her dreams. Everywhere she goes, she sees your face. She hears your voice. Your name is being uttered by people of all variations. And she wants to let you go, but for some reason, she just can't. Because you're a piece of shit. You know it. She knows it. We all know it. But you just keep popping up. And it's just driving her absolute bananas. Um, I'm going to skip to Kanye West's verse real, real quick. Because like I said, his verse is pretty much straightforward. Now, from what I understand, this verse was written for or because of Amber Rose. So the the woman who he's referring to is Amber Rose. So instead of Kid Cudi's perspective of the erase me being the girl you used to be in a relationship with is trying to forget about you, Kanye West's perspective of the erase me is I'm trying to forget about her. So I'm just going to run through his verse very, very quickly. I'm not going to rap it. I'm just going to speak it. I'm Yeezy. She said, hi, I'm Maria. No, you an angel. You wave hi to Aaliyah. I got a show in Korea. They built a new arena. Why don't you come and watch a nigga tear the whole scene up? So that's him meeting the girl. They introduced themselves. He's like, oh, man, you you not just this, you that too. You know what I'm saying? Talk him up, the, the hype. He invites her out to a show of his, um, and it kicks off right from them. You know, I've seen you before, but don't know where I've seen you. Oh, I remember now. You're something that I dreamed of. Don C says she's cool, but don't let her fuck your cream up. Monica Lewinsky on the dress, she'll take it to the cleanest. So he gets a warning, a heads up. Hey, man, I heard you was talking to so-and-so. Be careful with that, you know, because she, she, she a rowdy one. You know, she only going to be here for a hot minute, and then she's skedaddling. He's like, oh, man, I'm not worried about that. They get freaky in the motel room or whatever the fuck. Monica Lewinsky is the, the woman who was involved with the uh, Bill Clinton scandal, for those who may not remember that. I remember Bill Clinton. I don't remember the scandal, but I do know who Monica Lewinsky is. Um, so that's a reference to getting your dick sucked in a place where you're not supposed to be getting your dick sucked and potentially getting caught. Um, so the verse continues. Sure enough, a week later, I'm in extra love. And everybody knows she's mine, so she's extra plugged. Every bouncer, every club, show her extra love. We just praying the new fame don't get the best of us. So, a couple of weeks go by, and I am head over heels, falling hard for this chick. And everybody knows she my girl. Everybody knows she with me. So, she gets treated with the utmost respect everywhere we go. Because, hey, that's Kanye West's girl, right? Uh, at some point, and I'm going to just finish off the verse. But all good things got to come to an Ina. She let it go to her head. No, not my area. The height of her shopping was writers blocking me. 
I couldn't get my shit out anyway. I hope you diarrhea. And I like that. I like that little play on words. I couldn't get my shit out anyway. I hope you diarrhea. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's nice. I like that. But basically, the way that the song ends is Kanye West realizes, damn, everybody was right about you. You ain't nothing but a this, that, and the third. You ran through all my credit cards and spent all this money. Meanwhile, I'm struggling to get these songs out and maintain this lifestyle that you love so much. It's not even worth my time. It's not even worth me getting into. So fuck it. I'm cutting you off. Ain't no more of that. It's over with. And we let bygones be bygones type shit. So I do like Kanye West's verse in that song. Just the wordplay and the consistency of the storytelling is what really uh, drew me. Um, I'm going to take a slightly dark turn because this album is pretty eerie. Uh, Mr. Rager, which I know on the Kid Cudi versus Kanye West episode, we, we touched on this ever so delicately. Um, it's, it's a very, very like dark song because the, um, music video for it, for example, uh, and I had this analyzed for me. I didn't analyze it myself. Someone analyzed it for me. So it starts off with Kid Cudi at the bottom of a warehouse, maybe three stories. And there is a shit ton of like ninjas, assassins, uh, fighters throughout the warehouse and he's by himself. So he has to fight through all three of these floors with all of these warriors. And they're not dressed in like warrior attire, kind of like street fighting gear. So like leather jackets, blue jean pants, boots. Some of them have various weapons. You know, he's getting through the first couple of levels of the warehouse pretty easily. But then as he gets higher and higher to the warehouse, it becomes more and more challenging. And then finally he gets like the big boss, right? And the big boss is actually himself. So the metaphors are the warehouse represents his mind. Each of the warriors represents a demonic like spirit or just some type of thing that he doesn't want to face immediately, kind of building up and piling up and collecting into one, you know, celestial being. Uh, So he has to fight through his demons basically until he gets to the core of his mind which is ultimately himself facing the fact that he himself may not be as good of a person as he portrays himself to be. And he fights himself. He loses against himself. His body is slung over against the rails of the warehouse. He falls and he like blinks and he's in like a group therapy session talking to a therapist and basically explaining what we just saw um, directly to her. And I thought that was pretty fucked up. Now, as as much as I love this song, and I'll admit, I was going through a phase, like all high school girls do. Um, In in high school, I was going through this very dark, like, emo goth phase. And it's carried itself with me into adulthood, um, just for the record. Um, And this song, in particular, really helped get through, like, the the mental turmoil of that phase. Cause you know, you're in high school, you, you, you get a crush on a dude and he rejects you. And you know, your best friends are fighting and you feel like it's your fault or, you know, the guy that you are in a relationship with turns out to be a psychopath, <laughs> whatever the, the, the case may be. Uh, it's a lot for 15, 16 year old girls, even 15, 16 year old boys. I'm not even going to just generalize it to just girls, teenagers, 
I think that everything is the end of the world. So for you to feel like you're just alone, like no one really understands what you're dealing with, what you're going through, you feel like you're fighting yourself every single day to maintain sanity and to keep it all together. So to hear somebody else speak those words in your head into existence, what did he say? Uh, Birds sing flying around. You never see them too long on the ground. You want to be one of them. You might hear the birds singing, flying around. You never see them too long on the ground. You want to be one of them. Uh, Verse two, knock down round for round. You're feeling like you're shot down on the ground. When will the fantasy end? When will the heaven begin? You might be knocked down round for round. You're feeling like you're shot down on the ground. When will the fantasy end? When, when will the heaven begin? And it's not even, again, I wasn't this analytical in high school, so I didn't take that to heart directly. Though the thing that really just struck me was like the when will the fantasy end? When will the heaven begin? You never see them too long on the ground. You want to be one of them. You see these birds just in the park chilling, doing what birds do, but they're free to do what they want to do. They can do whatever they want to do, and you don't have that freedom. And, you know, you're, you're battling life as a teenager, going through teenager bullshit, because it's all bullshit, and you just feel like you can't catch a break. You know, if one thing isn't going wrong, it's another, and then you have the actual school itself to worry about, so your grades are probably crumbling underneath you, and you, and you can't really get it all together. Like, when will the fantasy end when will the heaven begin? I heard, I, someone told me that that was a reference about suicide. When will the fantasy, the world that you live in, that you, that you exist in, that you portray as a reality, but there's no way in hell that this could be what the real world is like, right? When will the heaven begin? When can I stop, you know, tripping off of shit that doesn't matter? When can I finally be free to just exist and live as who I am as a person? And as a teenager... This shit really like speaks to your soul, especially if you're going through a lot of shit, which again, unless you're in like a obvious physical, mental, verbal, or emotionally abusive relationship, whether it be with your parents or uh, teachers or, you know, bullies and and shit like that, I promise you (laughs) anything else is, is not that goddamn important. I promise you, not the nigga that you had a crush on for three out of the four years in high school ends up having a girlfriend and rejects you completely. That's not the end of the God. I promise you that is not the end of the goddamn world. Or two of your best friends are fighting over something that you said by accident that you didn't realize wasn't supposed to be said out loud. That's not that goddamn important. That's not a big deal. It will blow the fuck over. They will be okay. Um... Somebody spreading some kind of nasty rumor about you. Yeah, that sucks. But then that person who started spreading the rumors gets exposed. So now everybody is like, damn, that sucks even worse. It's not. Unless you're getting like your face pounded in with a baseball bat or your creepy stepfather is sneaking into your bedroom at four o'clock in the morning or, um, you know, people are cyberbullying you, which that is a very big deal because people will literally be like, yo, just go and kill yourself right now. Like nobody gives a fuck. Like that's fucked up. 
But all that other little shit, that that little shit does not matter. I'm, this is speaking from somebody who's been bullied and harassed by ex-boyfriends and crazy shit like that. And, and all that good shit that you go through in high school. You will get the fuck over it. I promise you. And niggas like Kid Cudi really help with that because... You can listen to this music and be like, bro, I'm really not alone out here. Regardless of what your friends may say or what your family may tell you, because sometimes you think, oh, you're my friend, you're my family, you're supposed to say shit like this to me. And I guess it does help to hear it from an outside source that has no real connection with you. Just like you're not alone because I've been through it too type shit and this is how I deal with it, so I'm going to help you deal with it. That does help tremendously. That and keeping a journal. Um, let's move on to the last song on my list to focus on, uh, is the Trapped in My Mind. This song right here, this song, if Mr. Rager didn't speak truths into your life from your, the pits of your soul, then this is the song right here that did it. This song right here reminds me of the, um, like that alter ego phase that I was going through in high school. I had to create another persona to help me deal with peer pressure and talking to boys and getting rejected and putting up with shit that I really shouldn't have been putting up with. And it helped to an extent to have like another like fallback, like a backup plan, something to default to. And it's not, this isn't, to be confused with mental illnesses like schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder. It's nothing like that. This is literally me turning my brain off and allowing another part of it to be turned on. And that other part was a completely different persona from who I was on a regular basis. So I literally had to like code switch and become a different person, change the way that I spoke, the way that I carried myself and the things that I did and said, depending on who it was I was talking to, just to help with keeping me from going crazy over the little shit. The little shit that I was having to deal with in high school. Because everybody deals with it differently. And this this helped somehow. <laughs> uh, so the lyrics to Trapped in My Mind. The first verse, you see, I'm trapped in my mind. I'm going tripping. I don't think I'll ever go. You see, the walls are so high that I couldn't climb them. So I don't know which way to roll. I feel I'm stuck in rewind, though I'm looking forward. Damn, I wish I knew what went wrong. Am I sick? Am I ill? Man, my mental got me. Oh, Lord, please help me pull through. So basically, it's literally, it's literal. It's not like a straightforward, direct translation, but it is very literal, when I would listen to this, I would envision like waking up in my high school bedroom and, you know, getting my day started, uh, get up, stretch out, drink some water, uh, get ready to go to the bathroom and get my day this day. Woo! What was that? <laughs> uh, get up, get ready to go and get my day started. As I open the door, there's a blanket over my face. I pull it out and I'm back in bed again. So it's a constant revolving door. Every time I open my bedroom door, I'm just underneath my blankets in my bed, starting my day over again. And meanwhile, this is me literally being trapped in my mind, my mind being my high school bedroom and me not being able to leave it. 
versus the outside, my alter ego is playing the role of me doing and saying shit that I would literally never do or say. And the window is like the visions of the eyeballs. Like I can see everything that's going on outside via the windows. And so I'm seeing all of this crazy, outrageous shit taking place and I can't do anything about it. Now, there were moments with this little alter ego of mine that I felt like I could use it as an excuse to um, be a little out of control. And I never took it too far. I never like, you know, broke into people's houses or did vandalism or, you know, messed around with a bunch of guys I shouldn't be messing around with. No, I never did anything like that. I just use it as an excuse to step outside of my comfort zone. So this would be like staying out really, really late or, you know, going on random drives or walking through the park with a group of my friends for absolutely no reason at all. Shit that normally I'd be like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. I would do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I could blame it on my alter ego for the time being. Um, But I never used it to like hurt myself or other people or put myself in situations where immediate danger, like I never went around with niggas who had like weapons or some shit or like did cocaine or prostitutes. It never went that far, but it was definitely different for me being in like an enclosed environment pretty much my entire life where I was raised to not trust anybody And then to allow myself to be put in a position where I would just be doing whatever and not caring about the the consequences that followed. Um, And it's kind of fucked up when you think about it that way. But in the sense of the song, Trapped in My Mind, like you feel like you're stuck behind a wall. You can't move. You can't. Uh, go over it, you can't go under it, you're just trapped behind it, you have no idea what's going on on the other side of the wall, you're completely by yourself where you're at, and you just don't know, you've never experienced anything like this before, so how can something like this be normalized? How can something like this be so just typical, basic, standard? What What do you do in that situation where you feel physically, mentally, and emotionally stuck You can't move, you can't think, you can't do nothing. You're stuck. What the hell are you supposed to do? And 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 I feel like anybody in that time period, especially, you know, the people who I hung out with, they were all just on that emo shit. Um, oh my goth shit. So a lot of them did have mental issues as well. Like I said, I didn't have anything. At least I wasn't officially diagnosed for nothing. I don't think I have anything mentally wrong with me, but I wouldn't be surprised if I did. Um, But, you know, I know people who were bipolar, who suffer from depression, who suffer from anxiety attacks, and you would see that shit escalate. So I can only imagine what it was like to really feel like you're stuck inside of your own head and you can't get out, regardless of how hard you're trying to, to force. So it's relatable for people who have those moments where they just feel like they're trapped and there's nothing they can really do. But it's also very relatable to the like outcasts and the rebellious teenagers who feel like their family doesn't understand them and their friends are just as pitiful as they are type shit. It, it's, it's, it hits a lot of different points on the map, I feel like. Um, and one more thing that I wanted to talk about before I close this out is the uh, short film Maniac. Now, the only reason why I associate the film 
to the album is because there is a song on the album called Maniac and the short film is called Maniac. But they're not really parallel to each other. So the short film, it, it's based in France, I want to say, because they're speaking French, so I'm assuming that's where they're at. Um, they start off, the, the, the film starts off with uh, a camera driving down the street. You can hear in the distance something crackling and popping, and then it, it pulls up to a house that's bursted into flames. And the entire inside of the house is engulfed in flames. There's just nothing but smoke and fire. And then it continues going down the street, and then you see Kid Cudi and the other man in the film. I can't think of his name right now, and I apologize in advance. Uh, they're walking down the sidewalk with gas tanks in their hands. And then the next scene shows the two of them in a restaurant. They're speaking in French to each other. Uh, we're going to get, you know, X number of people a piece. Um, don't get distracted by the cameras, though. So get, stay focused on your task and get your numbers knocked out and blah, 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 blah. Uh, they're talking about, like, killing people. So throughout the entire duration of the film, it just goes back and forth between Kid Cudi and this guy on how many people they can kill in a span of time. I think they're just doing it within a couple of days. Most of them happen all within one day or within one night. Uh, so the first person that Kid Cudi kills is uh, this man who's walking like this itty-bitty-ass dog down the street. And it's snowing, mind you. They're, they're, they're in that part of the world, so it is cold. It's snowing there. Uh, and the guy, the other guy, his first victim was a woman who was walking down the street by herself. He strangles her with her scarf, knocks her out, stabs her in the stomach. She bleeds out. Cud Cuddy uh, gets the dude in an alley, wraps the leash that he was walking his dog with uh, around his neck, strangles him. The dog, being like a chihuahua, ain't doing shit, but just sitting there watching the whole thing take place. Like, you useless-ass dog. <laughs> Um, and then the next person that the, the other guy kills, if I'm not mistaken, it's the couple in the hotel. So he gets into this hotel with a shotgun, slams in the door, shoots the husband. He, they never show him shooting the wife. You just hear her crying in the corner, but I assume that he does kill her. And after he shoots the husband, he goes to the kitchen, cracks open a beer and starts drinking it. Uh, the next person person that kid Cuddy kills he walks into a pharmacy and it's like three or four people in there he just shoots them all in the head uh the funny thing about that scene is after he's done shooting everybody he goes to the counter not the counter but like the shelves grabs some gum picks it up eats it offers some to the cameraman the cameraman's like no nah, I don't want none and then his face facial expression changes from like happy to like take this and so he takes the gum and they walk out um, the guy, the white guy kills a couple of more people. They don't really show in detail too, too much after the first couple. Um, they just show them like getting in situations with like beating people with bats or there's blood splattered everywhere. Or Obviously there's been a murder, right? Uh, there is one scene where there's a couple in the car. Kid Cudi is drinking like on the outskirts of the field where the car is parked. He shoves a, um napkin into the bottle, lights it on fire, makes a cocktail out of it, throws it into the car. The car goes up in flames instantly. Uh, and there's another scene where he's at a park and there's a bunch of kids playing like pretend guns with like pieces of ice. Now you think for a second that he's going to kill one of the children, but he doesn't. 
He just takes the ice from him, pretends to shoot the kid with it, hands it back to him, and then walks off. Uh, and the way that this, the, the video, the movie ends, spoiler alert, Shia LaBeouf is directing this fucked up ass movie. And the dude is like, I'm sick and tired of these camera guys following us around. So he takes the camera from the cameraman or from Shia LaBeouf. And he, uh, Kid Cudi, I, I assume, shoots Shia LaBeouf first in the hand and then in the neck. And then the sound guy, which they dropped the camera. So all you see is the camera next to Shia LaBeouf's dead body. The sound guy who has like the microphone and the equipment takes off running. So you can hear him breathing really hard, panting and pacing and and, and mummering to himself in French. And then you hear a car come and hits him. And then it cuts off. Uh, that whole thing is really fucked up. <laughs> that whole thing is really, really, really fucked up. But I watched it. I was like, you know what? I kind of like this. And I don't know what that says about me as a person. I don't know what that says about Kid Cudi as a person. But, I mean, it's not a bad movie. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in Maniac. Kid Cudi short film. I guarantee you it'll pop up. It's a split. The the uh, the 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 picture that you see when you click on it is going to be split down the middle. It's going to be half of the guy's face and half of Kid Cudi's face from like the nose up. Um, and it's in black and white, and they're speaking French. And it's like maybe fifteen minutes. I don't know. Um, but I think that's all that I have to say about Man on the Moon two. If I think of anything else, I'll be sure to come back and add it in. Um, again, this is in anticipation for Man on the Moon 3 to be released here shortly. Um, he just sent out the release date or the teaser trailer for it like earlier this week. And people have been going absolutely crazy about it. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out and what direction he chooses to go. Um, I was under the impression that his... Uh, newest album would be called Intergalactic, but there's a couple of theories floating around the internet that says Intergalactic is going to be a separate project, or he's possibly going to combine the two, so it'll be Man on the Moon 3 Intergalactic, or something like that, the same way that Man on the Moon 2 is called, like, uh, Journey of the Moon Man, or something like that. Um, his All of his album titles are pretty long, so they're usually split into two different titles, so we'll see. But thank you for sticking around to listen. This was my um, analysis of Man on the Moon 2 by Kid Cudi. I appreciate all of the support, all of the listeners who take the time to hear me talk about little to nothing for about an hour at a time. I really do appreciate it. And thank you again. Until next time, I will be speaking with you later.